Hello and welcome to the Adventure Podcast. This podcast is about helping listeners learn from and meditate on our sermons from anywhere at any time. Thanks for joining and let's get started. It's good to be with you guys. Be praying for Tony right now. I think he's, uh, he might actually be paddling. Anybody got any updates yet, Keith? You seen anything? He was stuck in the wind, so uh, they were stuck on the side of the river, so be praying for him, him and Adam. Um, hey, it's good to be back with you guys. So uh, working through this spiritual uh, growth intensive that Tony started last week. You know, we're talking through things that are, are really important for us to be able to, to become the people that God has called us to be. You know, there's an interesting uh, kind of common trait among humans that, that we found it's consistent through time, it's consistent through cultures, and that is the simple fact, everybody prays, everybody. Back in 2017, uh, Barna, who does a lot of studies about things that relate to the church and relates to Christianity, they surveyed uh, just the average American, they, they, they surveyed Americans, they found one in, in one 90-day period, 79% of the average Americans prayed. So that wasn't just Christians, that was everybody. Now, I'll, I'll say what they prayed to, you know, how they prayed, um, you know, what exactly they prayed, that all differs. But what I'm saying is there is an internal desire within every human being to talk to their creator, to talk to somebody that has a little better beat on things than we do. I, I believe wholeheartedly God wired us to look for him. Uh, and God wired us to talk to him. And ultimately, that's what God's working to restore. Some of you, those people who love to cheat, like you'll get into like the first five pages of a book and you flip to the very end to see what actually happened. Let's do that real quick. Some of you are gonna love this. Revelation 21.3 says, God's home is now with his people. He'll live with them and they'll be his own. And God will make his home among his people. Man, that's, that's the design. That's what God has intended for us. That's the kind of relationship that God wants with us. He designed us to be an intimate relationship with him. And part of relationship is what? Conversation. I guarantee you do not have a good relationship with somebody you don't have a good conversational life with. He created the opportunity in the garden with Adam and Eve. Sin broke that intimacy. And God's intention in Christ is to restore us to that relationship if we're willing to, to meet him. Human beings are naturally wired to pray. It is a universal trait. Now, here's the irony. Most people I know, even some people who have been Christians for decades, they've been going to church for 50, 60, 70 years, most people I meet, especially adults, are intimidated by prayer. Now, little kids have no problem with that concept. Man, get, get a five-year-old praying. It's, it's one of the most fun things in the world to listen to a five-year-old pray, right? If you, if you watch that happen, you know, they're not intimidated in the least. They start praying to God and talking about the last Transformers, you know, show that they watched and, and the, the kid in preschool who hit him in the nose and the snotty nose that they've got. I mean, like, they'll just go on and on for hours talking to God about everything. And there's something to that. I think there's something to it. But everybody else, once we get over a certain age, for some reason, we seem to struggle with it. 
And I've heard every excuse in the world. I don't, I, don't, I don't really know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to say it. I, I just don't know the right way to say it. And, you know, I, just, I get nervous about it. To some degree, that's honesty. You know, even, even scripture acknowledges that you and I aren't very good at praying. Do you know that? <laughs> We're not very good at talking to God. Look at Romans 8.26. It says, the spirit also helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray for what we need. We struggle with that. Why? Well, because again, that brokenness with sin entered in and it's, it's, it's caused a major breakdown in our relationship. So the big question is, if we're wired for it, why is it so hard? And again, I think you go back to the beginning, you get a glimpse of that. You go back to the garden, you get a glimpse. If you read that account after Adam and Eve have sinned and God comes into the garden to talk to him, to have that relationship that looks very similar to that thing in Revelation, right? Going back to Revelation that we just read, what do they do? Somebody in here remembers what they do. Same thing my kids did when they were toddlers and they got in trouble. They hid, right? They ran away from the, the conversation. Sin broke that relationship that should be natural, that, that it is part of our, our design and our wiring. And so it's broken, but it's still important because it's built into who we are. It's built into our design. It's an innate part of us. Can I just suggest to you, if you want to find the peace that all of us are longing for, man, if you feel like you're all on your own, if you wish you had a better connection with God, then you need to grow in your understanding and practice of prayer. You know, I, I meet so many people who are like, I just don't feel at peace. I don't feel close to God. I don't feel, well, how's your prayer life? Well, it's been a while. It's not strong. Man, there is a connection between those two things. See, we all have some needs, and my need, your need, is we need to grow in, under, in our understanding and practice of prayer. So what do we do when something we were made to need doesn't come naturally to us? Well, I answer the question, and it's real simple, and you guys have been going through a similar thing your entire life. You need to find a teacher. You need to find somebody to teach you how, right? Look at Luke 11, one with me. Disciples did this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished praying, one of his disciples came up to him, and what did he say to him? Lord, teach us how to pray, right? Think about this. These 12 guys got to watch Jesus do everything that we read about in the Gospels while he was on the earth. Think about that. It's amazing, right? All kinds of miracles. He healed people. He raised the dead. He turned water into wine. He walked on water, which would have been handy last Wednesday when it was raining hard cast out demons. And you know what's fascinating? Not once in all of the gospels do we find the disciples looking at Jesus and saying, Lord, teach us how to do miracles. We don't find that. There Jesus teach. Man, greatest teacher in history puts Tony to shame. Don't tell him that, Tony, if you're watching, I'm sorry. Right? 2,000 years. We keep going back. Do you know how many times scholars have read? Do you know how many books are written on the Sermon on the Mount? I, ad nausea. There's so many books written on the Sermon on the Mount. We're still going back to his teaching. They watched that. They experienced that. You know what they didn't ask him? Lord, teach us how to teach the way you teach. That's interesting, isn't it? 
Jesus prayed constantly. I mean, he talked to God the Father in the mornings, in the afternoons, in the evenings, in secret, in front of people, in all kinds of different places and in all kinds of different ways. And they watched that. And what I, I believe is that they realized that the power and all the blessings that came in his life came through his connection with God the Father. That's where it came from. And so they said, they looked and they said, yeah, we, we do want to do the miracles. We, we do want to teach like that. We do want that. So Lord, teach us how to pray. Let me ask you, are you far enough along in your maturity as a Christ follower to not ask the same thing? I believe, and this is action step number one, I believe all of us need to take a minute, maybe right now, maybe when we get done, maybe later today, and just simply ask, God, teach me how to pray. I'm close with him like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we still need it because you're still not done. Mm -hmm. We've all got something to learn. And it really does start here. Again, I don't care how long you've been doing this. We can all get better. Amen. We can all grow in this area, right? And one thing that I've noticed is the longer that, that you've been learning something, the more of a quote-unquote expert you are, all that simply means is you've got the easy stuff figured out. Right? And so I don't care how far of an expert you are, you still actually maybe even more so you need some consultant to come in and, and identify some spots where you can grow a little farther, right? To fine-tune things. If you're too proud to ask God to teach you to pray, your problem isn't prayer, it's humility. All of us have room to grow in our conversational relationship with God. So let me ask you this. You dare to ask him that question, what do you think he's going to bring up? Where do you have room to grow? You know, one of the things that, that a lot of people find when they ask God to teach them how to pray is that a lot of us have some misconceptions in our, in our life about what prayer is and how it works. We pick them up in all kinds of different ways. Maybe it was a, a loving, well-meaning grandma who told you, who, who taught you some things. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher somewhere. Maybe, uh, may, maybe it was just some cultural idea that you grew up around about prayer. Uh, maybe you misheard some teaching on prayer. Maybe you got some bad teaching from somewhere on prayer. I don't know. You know I, one of the things I figured out a long time ago is some, some of those things I just make up on my own. Like they're just ideas that I, I come up with. What's even weirder is, even though some of us know these things to not be true, our words and our attitudes, when we actually look at our prayer life, reveal that they're still present in the way we do it, even though mentally we know that's not how it ought to be done. So we got another need, and that need is, is to purposely uncover any misconceptions that we might have fallen into. All right, let me give you a few common ones that I, I find a lot in people's lives as I talk to them about prayer. First one is, is that prayer isn't a magic wand. A lot of us treat prayer as if it's some mystical wand we bought at Ollivander's. And, you know, and how wonderful would it be if there was just some incantation that we could turn our bullies into ferrets and, you know, you know whenever anything's going bad in our life, we just pull out the right prayer and suddenly, poof, you know, everything is, everything is better and it's the way we want it to be. And some of us treat prayer that way. Some ritual of the words that if we just say it right, the right way, the right time, miraculously, what we want to happen is going to magically happen. That's not how prayer works. 
Matthew 6, 7 through 8, Jesus is talking about prayer, and he says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. That's not how this works. Second thing is prayer isn't a fire extinguisher. A lot, of, a lot of people treat prayer as if it's behind glass, you know, with, with uh, the words on it, break in case of emergency. Man, it's not something that you do on good days. It's only something you do when, when everything else has fallen apart. You pull that out and you're just, right, you're doing it on a prayer. We've even got, like, cultural ways we say that, right? And maybe you agree with me. Maybe you know that, but do you ever say this to somebody? Do you ever look at them and go, well, all we can do now is pray, then everybody gathered around. It's like, is it that bad? Has it come to that? That that's the only thing we have left? Because that's how we treat prayer. Prayer isn't supposed to be a last resort. Man, prayer is supposed to be an ongoing dialogue. You know, the other day, I was, you know, we were trying to get our house sold, which, by the way, Thursday night, if anybody was here Thursday night, I said, hey, pray, because we had just put our house on the, the market Thursday night. Uh, by the time I got home from Thursday night service, we had an offer on it, so uh, we accepted an offer just the other day, so thank God. I, I appreciate those prayers. Now, pray they sign, all right, so... My dad asked me, are you ready? I was like, look, when it's signed, then I'll be really ecstatic, but I'm thankful. But anyway, I, I was working on an electrical issue because we had some stuff that, you know, there, there are things that you don't do until you're getting ready to sell your house. And you just put up with them until then. And so there was, there was an electrical issue I'd been working through and working through and working through. I was up in my attic and, um, man, I, hours I've put into this thing, trying to track it down. I called my dad. Not because he is a master electrician, but just because I needed somebody to talk through it with. I just needed to, to go through and go, look, I've done this, 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 this. Like, what have I missed? Because he's a good guy. He's, 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 good at, uh, he's good at problem solving. So, hey, here's, my, here's the way I've worked through it. Are there any holes in what I've done here? And you know what? That wasn't the first time he had heard about that. He, he knew it was an ongoing issue. We'd talked about it years ago, and we had talked about it just a couple of weeks before that. And so because of that, I didn't need to go through a bunch of angst and guilt going, well, do I call him? I don't talk to dad very much. Am I going to call him and ask him to help me out with this? And you know, I didn't have to go through any of that. Why? Because we've got an ongoing dialogue. We've had a conversation about it. When I needed him, it was a normal part of our conversation. It's a normal part of our relationship. Prayer isn't meant to be a last resort. Now, sometimes, look, it's fine to cry out in frustration or anger or despair, which, by the way, we actually have Jesus doing that in the Gospels. We see him actually doing that, but, but that's only a normal part of the conversation. That's not the only times he prayed. Those were actually the, those are the few things that we see in his prayers, but it was still there. But it was just a normal part of the dialogue. And when we do that, I'll just tell you, it is so much easier to hand stuff off to him when it's a normal part of the dialogue because we've already got that relationship established and we trust him because he's there in the good times as well as the bad. Third thing is prayer in the tug of war or a bargaining exercise with God. Yeah, I've met people who believe that God will only answer prayers if they've earned it in some way, if they've been good enough, if they've done the right things. Or 
or that I got to nag him. I got to keep going. I got to keep pushing him. You know, God doesn't answer your prayer, you know, the first time. You got you to keep at him about it. Some of you grew up in church hearing the parable about the persistent widow in Luke, uh, Luke 18. If you don't know that, it's a story that Jesus told that, that has some meaning behind it. He was trying to, to get across a lesson in it. And so there's this widow, which widows in that time, they were, they were some of the most vulnerable people within that, that ancient community. And so th this widow has had something bad happen. We don't know exactly what it was. There was some injustice going on in her life. And so she goes to this judge and, and she goes to him and says, look, I'm just looking for justice. But unfortunately, the, the, the judge is a judge who is well known for not caring. Unless there's something in it for him, he doesn't really care about justice. And so he kind of pushes her off and she keeps going back to him and back to him and back to him and back to him. She keeps nagging him until the point where finally he looks at her and says, fine, I'll give you justice. And the moral of that story is, those of you who remember it in scripture, what's the moral of that story? I met a lot of Christians who were taught or took away from that story, we need to go back to God and we need to keep nagging him so he'll answer our prayers. That's not what that parable's about. Uh, Jesus tells that parable in response to an eschatological question. So what that means is it was a question somebody had asked about the final judgment, about what God was ultimately going to do. So he's talking about this, about the final judgment. That's what the context is about. When God finally restores justice to creation, look at Luke 18, 6 through 7. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end, so don't think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? You know, we say this a lot. Be real careful just picking things out of your understanding about how things work with God. You gotta look at the context. You gotta understand everything that's going on in that conversation that's going on there. This parable is about the cry from both God's people in this broken world to their creator looking around, doing the same thing I know that you've done before where you look around and go, God, man, when are you gonna finally, when is this all gonna just finally get fixed? When is this finally going to get fixed? And that was the question. And so that's what he's going back to. And it's not about nagging God to get our way about our individual struggles or about our individual wants. It's simply looking at God with God's eyes, with the heart of God, and seeing how broken things are and going, God, please fix all of this. That's what that parable is about. Now, there's certainly other places where Jesus teaches us to talk to God about the things that we need, that we need, Matthew 7, 7 through 8, keep on asking and you'll receive what you're asked for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everybody who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open. But again, context. He tells them that right after he had told them this. Look at Matthew 6, 31 through 33. So don't worry about these things saying what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows what your needs are, right? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I believe if you're stressed out about rent, man, tell God about it. That's fine. You know, if your car breaks down and you're trying to figure out how do you get your kids from point A to point B, man, talk to God about that. that, that, that 
Just like me talking to my dad about the electrical problem. It was a small thing in the midst of everything else that was going on. It's okay to have that conversation. God cares about all of those things. Part of having faith is having a constant dialogue with God about life, trusting that he's there, that he cares, that he works both in our hearts and our lives. Yeah, it's true. But you know what? Scripture also doesn't just teach us to pray for what we want, acting like God's the big vending machine in the sky that we can <laughs> kick until the right thing comes out, right? Or we can bargain with him until he gives in to, uh, to our will instead of his. What Scripture talks about is aligning our hearts with his in prayer, that's part of what prayer does. Caring about the things that he cares about. Continually going to him about those things, praying that his kingdom comes and that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Lastly, I just suggest to you that prayer is not a ritual to relieve guilt. Prayer is not a punishment for your sin. Some of you grew up that prayers were more punishments than anything else. I did something wrong, I gotta go do these prayers. Prayer's not penance. Man, prayer is a privilege. It isn't a duty. Amen. It's supposed to be a joy. It's not something to, to, to pay back because you did something wrong. That puts prayer in a whole wrong light. You know, it's kind of a ritual to relieve guilt. That, that almost goes back to that, that magic wand mistake that we were talking about just a few minutes ago. Again, I know some of you may have grown up in Christian traditions where you prayed prescribed prayers to make things right with God. Listen, Jesus makes things right with God, not our prayers. And I'm so thankful for that. So thankful for it. Again, doesn't mean we, we, we shouldn't pray to God for forgiveness. I mean, that's definitely something I do more than I would like to admit. It just means that scripture never teaches us to pray certain prayers a certain number of times to acquiesce guilt or find final right standing with God. Now, all of us have at least a few wrong ideas about how prayer works and how we practice it. So here's what I believe that, that we need to do about that. Again, we, we prayed that, that first action step was just simply to pray, God, teach me how to pray. Second thing is just ask God to reveal any misunderstandings you might have about prayer and then help you root them out of your life. God, where, where have I gotten this wrong? Where have I fallen into some bad habits about my prayer life? Where, where, where have I been taught some things that I'm not still realizing and it's getting in the way of our relationship? That's simple. Ask God to reveal any of those misunderstandings, any of those myths, the things that you've fallen into, those bad habits that might be distorting your relationship with them. And, you know, here's my encouragement. Actively ask and then Kind of take stock in your prayer life. Like, look for them. Ask God to help you root those things out. Now, we're going to talk a lot about prayer over the next few weeks. But today isn't so much about how to, how to prescribe prayer to you or tell you exactly how to do it as much as it is just to remind you how important it is to us that it's like eating and breathing. That's how it was designed into our life. It's at the very core of who we are. And that is, is that all of us have a need to have regular dialogue with our creator. Yeah. We're designed for that. Again, it's interesting to me that, that most Christians fully acknowledge this. Like all of us will nod our heads and go, yeah, yeah, I ought to be praying. I ought to have a conversation life with God. I ought to do that. And most Christians in the U.S. don't have a regular conversation or dialogue with God. 
least that's what all the statistics, all the research finds. I know a lot of people, again, who are intimidated about praying the, the quote-unquote right way. And that's because at some point in your life, you listen to some dusty old guy get up in front of you and pray, oh, thou great potentate of the universe, right, who does wonderfully bestow on us all manners of blessings, and you don't feel like you can pull that off. Look, can I tell you a secret and something I'm actually really happy about? God's not from old England. He isn't English. <laughs> and he isn't stuck speaking Elizabethan English, and he's not stuck speaking like King Jimmy. You don't have to use flowery language, and you don't have to use fancy phrases, and you don't have to, quote, unquote, sound spiritual. That's not the point. Man, you just talk to God. That's it. It's supposed to be authentic. It's supposed to be real. It's you know the only condition we find in Scripture about how to pray? There's, one, there's really just one condition we find in all of Scripture about praying, and that is that it's sincere. That means it comes from the heart. Generally speaking, I just tell you, most of the time it means it's going to be a, a, just a very simple prayer. You aren't going to impress God. Let me say that again. You aren't going to impress God. Um, you shouldn't be worrying about impressing anybody else either, whether you're praying in your closet or whether you're praying in front of people. Matthew 6, 5, Jesus said this, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everybody can see them. I'll tell you the truth, that's all the reward they're going to get. You know, a third of the Old Testament book of Psalms are just people <laughs> crying out to God about how bad everything is just in despair, going to God and going, God, it is falling apart. These people are coming after me. Man, this thing happened this week. And I, look, it's David. David was one of those worship guys. They always like to use flowery language. So yes, it's written really, really well. But at the end of the day, that's all it is. That's still all it is. Some of the best prayers in the Bible are not the fine-tuned ones. Can I tell you one of my favorite prayers in all of Scripture? It is short. It is simple. It is a heartfelt cry from a, a guy who is standing in front of Jesus who, who is asking for his son to be healed. And Jesus tells him, look, your son can be healed if you have faith. And I love this prayer because it is a prayer. Don't mistake it for what it is. Matthew, Mark 9, 24. I do have faith, but not enough. Help me to have more. Man, I love that. Now, that prayer impresses me more than 90% of the others in Scripture. That is honest. Man, that is from the heart that's real, and I believe that's what God's looking for. That's simple. He doesn't care about your vocabulary, and anybody else who tells you that he does can take a flying leap, and if they push back, tell them I said so. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 22 through 23. Let's go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, right? Sincerity, that's what we talked about. Fully trusting, and for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let's hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. What's the, what's the gatekeeper there? What, what's the thing that God cares about in the midst of that? Sincere heart. That's the opportunity. But God can't force us either. I mean, that's, that's part of this. We have to have this dialogue with God. Part of that's on us. 
You know, relationships work with mutual dialogue and with mutual interest, right? This is kind of a startling verse, but take a look at this, Isaiah 30, 18. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion for the Lord is a faithful God and blessed are those who wait for his help. This is something we actually still have to practice. Again, relationships all take both parties coming together. We have 25 examples in the Gospels of Jesus having conversation with God and making it a priority in his life and his ministry. And let me just say, if prayer was a, was a major part of Jesus' relationship with God while he walked this earth, can you imagine how different the power of God might be in your life if you made prayer the priority that he did? You know, last week, Tony asked you for five minutes a day just to read through Proverbs every day, right? It's five minutes. Um, I promise we're not going to do this every week where we're just going to keep whittling it down and adding five every week. I won't do that, but I am going to ask for five more this week, okay? Here's my challenge to you over the next month. Keep a really simple prayer journal. Just keep a really simple prayer journal. When I say simple, I mean simple. Can I tell you one of my secrets? I'm terrible at this. I'm horrible at journaling. I actually kind of hate it. It's not a fun thing for me to do. I don't look forward to it at the end of the day. But you know what else that I've noticed? As I look back in my life, the places where I was closest to God, where I felt like, man, we were connected the tightest, were also the places where I was journaling my prayer life with God. Real simple. And here's all I'm going to ask. And this, like I said, this doesn't have to be, I'm not even going to ask like your second grade teacher to make it full sentences, all right? This can just be bullet points. It can be whatever. Real, three simple things I would encourage you to stick into that little notebook or your phone notepad or wherever you want to keep it. I don't care where you keep it. I don't care how you do it. First one is just simply God thanks. Amen. Man, just find some things to be thankful for. Can I tell you, my week this week was not a great week. It was honestly a really long week with a lot of ups and downs. Um, at one point, it was very far down. But you know what? Even in that moment as I got home and I was working through that prayer journal and I just sat there, I realized it could have been worse. And that God was still in the details and that God was still working. And I was really blessed to have some of the guys around me that I have around me and support that I had around me and the situation that happened could have been a lot worse. And you know what? There is something to find thanks for in every day. Just write down a couple of those where you recognize where God, God was doing something, where there's some things that you appreciate that he created, that he's done, whatever it is. Second thing is just simply God, please. What are you worried about for yourself and for the people you love around you? It's that simple. Again, bullet points. Uh, we're not looking for paragraphs here. Nobody's going to check your essay. All right? Just spend a little bit of time just going, God, please. And the last one is just simply God, do what you want to do. Give God permission to work in your life, in your job, in your family, in your relationships, in your addictions, whatever you feel like on that day saying, look, God, my hand's off the wheel. This is yours. I'm going I'm to hand this off to you. God, do what you want in my life. Man, just take a moment to do that just every day. Again, it doesn't have to be a list of 15 things. It might be one that day. That's fine. But I promise you, if you do that over the next 30 days and then you look back on that, you will be surprised. I always am. And it's that simple. 
I'm convinced that our prayer life suffers not because we don't know how to do it, but because we aren't intentional about it. And a lot of times we let it slip, just like many of the other relationships in our life. Man, can I just encourage you? Pay just a little attention to it over the next few weeks, and then let's see what happens. Come back and tell me. Let me know. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for letting us be here. I thank you for for time again just to... um, Take the stuff that happened this week and put it to the side. Take the things that are coming and put them on the other side. And Father, just carve out a few moments just to focus in on you. And I admit that I don't do that near enough. And I admit that I'm not always intentional about my relationship as I should be with you. Father, I just simply pray, um, pray for my family. Father, I, I pray that you will work in them. I pray that you'll help my kids to become everything that you've called them to be. Father, I pray for my wife and I that you grow our relationship and you help us to to see each other through your eyes. Father, I pray for adventure, just that you continue to work here. Father, you help us to, to seek you. Most of all, that you just help us to be faithful in whatever thing that you're putting in front of us in this moment and the next. Father, I pray for blessing over what happens here and over all the people that are a part of adventure in their lives and their families. Lord, again, just most of all, help us to to live lives of integrity that shine your light out. Father, I thank you for Sue yesterday in her memorial service. Thank you for time to remember somebody who reflected your light really well, what it looks like to be your servant, to be your hands and feet, to encourage us. Father, I thank you that even in dark moments, you're still taking care of us and you're always still here. Most of all, I thank you for Jesus who provides us opportunity, who adopts us back into your family, who allows us to have this conversation with the king of the universe. We don't have to go in front of you worrying about our speech or worrying about how we go in front of you, but you just call us as your children to come and speak to you. Father, help us to to do that, do it well. We ask it all through your son's name, amen.